We never wanted to be in a fancy metropolitan broadcast facility where the most thought-provoking thing within view is an occasional four-car pileup on the freeway below. We like being miles from nowhere, in the middle of a vineyard that cannot be seen from the little two-lane road on the other side of that rise. Our barn has awesome acoustics and was built with hand tools over a hundred years ago. Nonetheless, we've got some really state-of-the-art broadcast technology inside. And our wine cellar wants a root cellar that is absolutely packed with wine we've collected or been given by friends. Welcome. You have just set foot on Grape Encounters Radio Property, where we don't believe in no trespassing signs. But let's make this our little secret. Oh, and that wine is protected by the sweetest-looking golden retriever who dated a Doberman for a while, so don't get any ideas. I'm in a New York state of mind. It is time for your weekly grape encounter, and this week I finally, finally get to scratch something off my bucket list that I've wanted to do for a very, very long time. This is a good news, bad news grape encounters. It's going to be a two-parter, as a matter of fact. You have heard me talking week after week about what's going on in the Finger Lakes of New York and an environmental threat there of catastrophic proportion that continues to bear down on what was named this year the Wine Country of the Year by Wine Enthusiast Magazine. So how weird is it that the very same year the Finger Lakes finally gets the recognition it deserves as being a world-class wine country that there would be those who seek to put it in grave peril and potentially destroy it. So we're going to talk about that, but more importantly, we're going to give you an up-close look, or in this case, listen, as to why the Finger Lakes deserves to be wine country of the year. And I'm going to take you tasting. I'm going to take you all over the place, but actually it's going to be Will Olean from Eagle Crest Vineyards and Oneida Vineyards taking us. And Will, you've heard on the show a couple of times as we've talked about this horrifying project. And then I've got one of the really big dogs in the business here, John Engel from Heron Hill Vineyards. So welcome both you guys. Will, we made it happen finally. We did, David. It's great to have you finally in the Finger Lakes. We're thrilled. We're blessed with beautiful weather today, and it's going to be a great experience for your listeners and for yourself. You know what? We've been here for at least a half a day already, and I had so much fun yesterday. Just what little we got to see and staying the night out on the lake that I can't pronounce correctly. Do it for me. Canandaigua. It means the chosen spot. Boy, it is a chosen spot. And we just got a chance to tour John's house. You're right there on the shoreline. Pretty much right on the shoreline and have lived down here in this region for all my life, over 60 years. And you're doing a great job. We got to last night at dinner, taste a bunch of your wines, and I got to taste through a good number of Will's wines as well. And of course, the Finger Lakes known really more for the whites, right, than the reds. The Rieslings are really as good as it gets. And if you're thinking Riesling and you're thinking other whites like Chardonnay, you have to give Finger Lakes wines a try. And it seems like it wasn't that long ago that people didn't take this region seriously. But now, getting a lot of attention, we're going to head over in a little while to one of your tasting rooms, which was named one of the 10 most spectacular in the world? Correct. Wow. How did you react when you learned that that honor was bestowed upon you? I was thrilled, obviously, and uh, I was highly inclined to open a bottle of wine and celebrate. (laughs) 
there's some pretty nice tasting rooms, you know. I can't wait to be wowed. Yesterday, I got a quick tour, Will, of your tasting room. One of the oldest in the state, right? But also known for making sacramental wine. That's right, David. The winery was founded in 1872, opened just at the close of the Civil War by the first Bishop of Rochester to make wine for the Catholic Church. And today, 143 years later, we're still making wine for the church. We make a pure grape wine and thought that was such a neat concept that we started a table wine business about a decade ago. And you had an opportunity yesterday to sample some of those wines, several Rieslings, an un Chardonnay, a Meritage, among others. And it was a, truly a spiritual experience for me. I feel just a little closer to heaven after being at your place, which really is a little slice of heaven. And what I love about that winery is that age and the beauty that only comes from making wine for, you know, 100 plus years. It's just spectacular. You can sense it in the air when you walk into the barrel rooms where we've got these coopered barrels that are a century and a half old and the red wine that's soaked through the redwood over that time, you can just tell that it's been there forever. Yeah. Are they used a lot here, guys? No. no, Not at all. No. John, Will will sell you one of those barrels. <laughs> I'll have to have a look at them. <laughs> Tell me, Will, first of all, how you came to be a winemaker in this area, because you weren't always. You were a suit. And... I was a suit. So I retreated to the hills of Hemlock Lake after being liberated from a job on Wall Street just at the right moment. So hey, let's talk about that right moment for a second, because, well, it's eerie is what it is. It's eerie. I had an office on the 65th floor of Two World Trade and uh, an office in Rochester, and I I was liberated to pursue my passion elsewhere just before a plane flew into my office window. So I was a little bit in shock and retreated to the hills of Hemlock Lake to write the great American tell-all tale of two stockbrokers on Wall Street and found a winery that had been there obviously for a very long time, but had little love put into it recently. And I looked at my wife at the time and said, you know, I think we've been called here to to save this place. And this could be a total left turn for us, but I think we're going to run and own a winery in the Finger Lakes. So the one thing that I have found that you two fellows have in common is, well, there are two things. You're both great winemakers, but you're also big reggae lovers. (laughs) John, let's talk about you because you've been here a heck of a long time and your operation, your wines are just so first class and you've got such a great reputation and uh, it all started how long ago? Well, I planted my first vineyard in 1972 and then we started Heron Hill Winery in 1977. So we're going on 40 years. So that's amazing because, you know, we're talking about just one year after the Judgment of Paris, which put American wine on the map. I don't know much about the history of grapes here, but I do know that there are accounts of early explorers coming here and seeing grapes just growing for as far as the eye could see. I had heard that they actually called North America Vineland. Vineland, yeah. Vineland, yeah. Vineland, that's exactly right. That's right. All winemaking in America began in New York, 1600s, the Dutch plant planted grapes on Manhattan Island for sacramental purposes. And then the Huguenots settled in the Hudson Valley, again, for sacramental purposes, they grew wine. Even in Hammondsport, which is sort of the birthplace of Finger Lakes wine, the first grapes were planted in 1832 by an Episcopal minister. So let's go back to you, John. You have three different tasting rooms. Right. And you make a heck of a lot of wine. You have how many different SKUs? Probably 20, yeah, 23. So, so you can go to all three of the tasting rooms and run through different wines at each tasting room, correct? Yeah, and it's really exciting to think that New York State has such a variety of products. I mean, you look at the native varieties, which a lot of people like, and uh, certainly are nice wines. We have the hybrid varieties, and obviously we have the vinifera variety. 
cheese. And when you go to places like Burgundy, you're going to be drinking Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay. And when you go to Bordeaux, you're going to be drinking Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc. When you come to New York, I can't even start the list because I wouldn't be able to stop for five minutes. We make the best Riesling stylistically in, in the uh, United States, but we also are very proud of our on oak Chardonnays. We're very proud of our Pinot Noirs. We have a long list of wines that really can suit almost every profile that somebody would be interested in uh, enjoying. We are finally in the Finger Lakes, and I'm sitting down right now with my escort for the next couple of shows, Will O'Lean from Eagle Crest Vineyards and Oneida Vineyards, and John Engel, the owner of Heron Hill, along with your wife, right? Correct. Josephine. And yesterday, I had a chance to taste wines from three different winemakers, you two, and Tim Moore from Inspire More, and I was wowed each time. It was amazing to me how delicious these wines are, distinctly upstate New York, and really delicious. And these wines are really raking in the awards now. I know you've had some terrific success with your wines. I'm pointing at you. It's not television. John, you've had some terrific success with your wines. And then, Will, your entire tasting room is covered with ribbons and medals. So tell me what's happened in the last 10 years in terms of the awards that these wineries have garnered. Well, there's been a lot more people coming into the winery business here in the Finger Lakes. We have a lot of people who are second and third generation winemakers who have learned from their families as they grew up and they're perfecting their skills. A lot of uh, young people are going off to be educated in California or even France and Germany. We've also had a nice influx of winemakers from other parts of the world because this is the frontier of winemaking. People don't know what we can do here. We don't even know what we can do here. This is one of the last... (laughs) It's exciting, you know? I don't even know what I'm doing here. (laughs) (laughs) And we haven't even started tasting yet. (laughs) But no, it's very exciting. In the Finger Lakes, we're making beautiful whites and very excited about the prospects of our reds, and we're discovering what our capabilities are. Okay, tell me where we're going. So next, we're going to head to Heron Hill Vineyard on Cuca Lake and see that spectacular tasting room. And then we're going to head down to the Village Tavern, which has got a wine list in the Finger Lakes that is unbeaten. Tremendous wine list. And then we're going to go up to McGregor Vineyards, which is another early planter of vinifera grapes. John Ingle at Heron Hill and John McGregor's dad were some of the first guys to plant vinifera grapes in the Finger Lakes when everyone was telling them, not possible, not possible. Can't do it. Proved them wrong. Now, we've got a lot more stops than that. So the only way we're going to be able to hit all these spots during the commercial breaks, we're going to have to board the Heron Hill jet copter and race from place to place, right, John? Yeah, let's get on the road. Okay, so we're going to fire her up, and we'll be back. We're coming to you from the Finger Lakes, and you'll catch up with us at our very next stop. Let's do it. When we return with Grave Encounters Radio. I'm in a New York state of mind. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. Perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, 
Well, as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The Argon Gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at GrapeEncounters.com. Oh, wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. He's back, and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and a little help from his friends. with Grape Encounters Radio, and we are now at the Heron Hill Winery, which is absolutely unbelievable, and what would be the first thing that I would run into when I get here but a bachelorette party? Not one, but two, is that right? Yes. yes. But it's like having one because we're like the same person. Yes. So, wait a second, are you both friends? Yes. yes. And you're both getting married at the same time? Uh, no, just a little bit a, a, a little bit further away. Okay. How many wineries have you guys hit so this far? This is our third winery. Third winery. Yeah. You definitely saved the best for last. Ooh. We did. Is this like spectacular? It. So tell me where you're from. From Heather. Cleveland, Ohio. You're from Cleveland? Yeah. Wow. Why did you choose the Finger Lakes out of curiosity? Uh, you know what? Because it's pretty and all the wine. And you know what? We just love wine. So. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. So you're going to go in, drink a little more wine. Now, have you done anything distasteful today? Oh, we can't answer that. Never. We're, we're ladies. <laughs> what happens after you leave Heron Hill? We go uh, back to our house. Yes. <laughs> and that's when more things that I can't tell you happen. Yay! All right, holy smoke, the, <laughs> the bridal party has uh, has moved on now at this point in time. Now, it's really funny because Will tells me earlier today that he's uh, kind of avoiding having bridal parties come to his place, but you've now changed your tune, Will. I am a convert to the bachelorette party. <laughs> in fact, it's going to be, he, he will be the only winery in America that specializes in bachelorette parties and sacramental wine at the same time. I'm changing my whole branding strategy. You can come there and sin and then cleanse your soul before you leave. <laughs> John, you need to get into sacramental wine is what you need to do. I got enough on my plate. I know. You are the Finger Lakes Sin City, apparently. You know, these uh, girls, are they're, they won't even admit what they're doing. What happens here. in Heron Hill stays in Heron 
Hill. <laughs> well, I just, I just tweeted a bunch of stuff that didn't stay. All right. So uh, anyway, we're sitting up on top of the hill, and just describe the view that we have here and the tasting room. Absolutely spectacular. It's like it's big and majestic, but at the same time, it's kind of like country living meets some of the finest architecture I've ever seen. That's probably the best way I've ever heard anybody describe it. That it's, conveys it's, it, the vibe perfectly. I mean, it's like in a way you're like in a cathedral, but then in a way you're sitting in a rocking chair. You know, sort of, you described the inside of the building as being like inside a barrel. And to me, it sort of had the, the lines of a comfortable rocking chair, and you know, warm, inviting colors. And for whatever reason, no great big echo that buildings of this kind typically have. Yeah, well, you know, it's all about ambiance. You know, people want to feel comfortable. They want to feel like they're part of the experience. They want to come here and be able to relax and, and leave feeling like they've really done something with their time here. And that's our, our goal and that's our, our direction is to make it something special that uh, is memorable. And, and we have the food, we have the wine, we have the music, we have the wine, we have the facility. You have, have the, the wine. wine. You have the bachelorette parties. You have, the, the, you have the lovely wine. ladies enjoying themselves. We have the wine. wine. Okay, it's I see. I re- Will I hear a recurring theme here? <laughs> the it's wine. And, and I'm going to tell you on it honestly. We just tried uh, maybe six, maybe seven wines in there. We had some last night at dinner as well. I was flabbergasted at how good the wines were, and I'm not just saying that. Just delicious. And the big shock to me was the Cab Franc. That you know. No, it, it, reds are not typically what New York is known for, but that that Cab Franc will hold its own against any Cab Franc from any place, any time. It really will. Are you? You're pretty proud of that. Well, we're we're proud of all our wines, and, and we have a distinct uh, you know profile of our of our flavors here. And I think cool climate and technically cold climate uh, wines and grapes grown in the, in this climate have a special uh, taste to them. You know, and part of it is is the uh, refreshing crispness that you get and the clean flavors yeah. and. and clean finish and and stimulating to your appetite so it's all about food and wine and friends and sharing and just enjoying life yeah you know that's that's what it's all about and and that's wine all over the world but don't forget the finger lakes we're doing our 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 best to hold up our end of the of the deal so will let's go back to you for a a second because uh your wineries well really one winery two names right that's right okay but uh your winery is you know sells you know equally wonderful wine wines and you know very different style because you are a taste of, of history and uh, John is a taste of the future of the Finger Lakes you know and I think it's just you know I don't know if that's a, a fair description but uh, particularly where the ambiance is concerned if people want to to taste the wines and they're hearing this uh, out of state they can just go online and get them right? Right. For our, the most part. For the most part. Our web address is purewineonline.com. Purewineonline.com. Nice ring to that. Man. Uh, we, you know, we represent sort of where the Finger Lakes is coming from. We still work with native grapes, Labrusca grapes, and uh, that's been our heritage in the Finger Lakes. But... John's wines, John's my hero in the wine world because he grows grapes himself and and really Heron Hill's wines are made in the vineyard. John's the grape grower and uh, he doesn't believe in using a lot of inputs. He works with the plants, he works with the earth, he accepts his losses, he chooses his fruit carefully and it reflects in just the beautiful wines. He's a stunning example of the potential of the fingerless. Okay, anything else you want to tell us about Heron Hill before we move on to the next stop? Just glad to welcome our friends here and, and share what we love with them. 
Oh, by the way, somebody just texted me a message and said that we did not come by helicopter. Uh, 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 uh. Go online right now. Go to Grape Encounters Facebook group page, okay? It's Grape Encounters Radio, and uh, I'm going to post the picture right now of the helicopter that we just landed in. For those naysayers, uh, uh, it's right there. I got proof positive for you, so check it out. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin costs a little bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Click the Coravin link at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. There is a sea serpent who lives in Seneca Lake. It's a crazy wild sea serpent, and it lives in Seneca Lake. Oh my goodness, it's the sea serpent of Seneca Lake. And your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson. We have landed the chopper, and while there may or may not be a sea serpent in Seneca Lake, there's some pretty amazing wines all around it. And now I have the privilege of introducing you to two people who are kind of on the opposite ends of the Grape Encounters spectrum. I say that because one of my guests that is sitting across the makeshift studio from me is the very first winery that we ever talked to in the Finger Lakes all those many years ago. And the other guest is my most recent discovery in the Finger Lakes and somebody who I owe a great 
debt of gratitude to because I have never been more comfortable than I am right at the moment. So I'd like to welcome to Grape Encounters Radio, Steve Shaw. And this is Steve Shaw Sr., by the way, because Steve Shaw Jr. has been on the show a number of times. Steve, you've been on exactly once, right? I think we had you on one time. I think I did. Yes. It was a while ago, a few years ago. You let the dashing young junior go out and speak on behalf of the winery, and you do the hard work, right? Well, he he helps me with a lot of that hard work, but I would call him our brand ambassador, I think. I think Steve Shaw Jr. goes to bed in a suit and tie. He's like one of the most dapper people I've ever met. Now, speaking of dapper, we have Christopher Misick here, and Christopher is one of the owners of Villa Bellangelo. So we are overlooking Seneca Lake right now, and you're fairly new to the business. Steve, you've been in it since, what, 80s now, right? 1980 was my first year in the vineyard business. And you're kind of the Yoda of the Finger Lakes wine business because I hear so many people say, you know, what would Steve Shaw do? And I will tell you this for sure. People have a huge amount of respect for you because you, like me, I think, and like Grape Encounters, are a rebel, right? Uh, Some would say so. A mad Uh, scientist. Pretty much all of them have said it so far. Well, they're all my friends. (laughs) All your friends. And then, Christopher, you came down here. You're a California boy originally. California transplant coming from Orange County. And Steve Shaw actually speaks to you, which is amazing. (laughs) I came unassuming, trying to learn at the feet of the master here. So Let me start with Christopher for a second, because first of all, I want to publicly thank you for putting me up at the Villa Belangelo guest house. For most people, it would be the Villa Belangelo mansion. (laughs) Unbelievable place. It's a beautiful place. And this was an old house that you guys converted, right? It's an old house, and it's fascinating because the house is actually surrounded by one of the old Riesling vineyards that was there in the past. It's currently being planted to corn, and it'll, it'll be planted to Riesling again. But the idea is we want something special for special people to stay in. Our wine club members, uh, members of the media, members of the industry, uh, folks who have a real passion for and, learning and about the, wine. And then if there's no demand, guys like me get to stay <laughs> I went out to your tasting room a little while ago, which is what? Only maybe like two miles from here? Is that about right? One mile. One mile. So so everything is marked by how far away it is from Shaw Vineyards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was expecting the tasting room to be kind of an old beat up place because that's what it used to be. But you and your family have done to that what you did to the guest house, which is to turn it into Shangri-La. <laughs> Beautiful tasting room. Awesome. And there's like three floors or maybe two and a half floors. And you've got this beautiful meeting room, conference room. But the idea is this, that the star of what we do is the wine, but we want to set a beautiful stage for the performance. Well, what you do is, and the guest house, as an example, is everything is beautiful, exquisite, but simple and understated. And that's a hard balance to achieve. And the one thing that I know that both of you guys have in common is doing that in the wines, Mm. you know, creating these very sophisticated, beautiful, elegant, understated wines that stand on their own merits as opposed to you having to stand behind the tasting room bar and convince somebody that they're good. I think what we're trying to bring is something very different from what's on the American wine scene right now. It's a little bit lower alcohol, but it's fresh. There's fruit and the acidity and the brightness. It's just delicious. Now, Steve, you've been here for a really long time. You've seen a ton of changes here. I have. Yeah, I I grew up in Hammondsport, which was sort of the beginnings of the wine industry in the East Coast. And I knew a lot of the old timers, the old pioneers, Dr. Frank and uh, 
Charles Fournier and Guy DeVoe, and I'm still good friends with Herman Weimer. So it's an interesting place to grow up, and that's sort of what piqued my interest in the in the vineyard business initially. Will you ever retire? No, I doubt that. So what's it feel like knowing that at some point you're going to be one of the old timers? Uh, and that, and I, I that, kind of that, already am, and that, unfortunately. And the guys are going to be sitting around saying, I started in the business and used to get a lot of advice from Steve Shaw. Wow, it was amazing. <laughs> the guy was a legend. Well, it, it would be nice if that's how everything turns out. That, it's, it's, it's a, it's well, a wonderful too, too industry. Late, too late to speculate. Go ahead, Chris. You know, on that point, in the small book I wrote, I described one of my first wine experiences in Napa, looking at one of those old pictures with, you know, you had Robert Mondavi, you had all the classics. And what I describe is that right now, when you come to the Finger Lakes, you get to live what the pictures of the future will be. You get to meet the pioneers. You get to sit and have a tasting with guys like Steve Shaw yeah. and Scott Osborne. I mean, these are the legends that we will be talking about in a generation. Well, we've been all week talking to the legends. And what's amazing to me is, unlike a lot of industries, the legends in winemaking here are so accessible. Mm. You know, these are people that will talk to you. Uh, they'll make themselves available to you. And they make great wines. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I think is so regrettable is that so little of the rest of the world really appreciates what's being done here. And that's why we're spending two weeks on it right now and why we've talked about the Finger Lakes many times before, because you got to taste these wines. And unfortunately, most of these wines aren't making it out of New York. Steve, why is that? Well, many of us have limited capability to distribute widely, and we also have low production. In my case, you know, anywhere from 1,200 to 2,200 cases per year, depending on the vintage. So it is a little bit rougher to, to distribute. But the other thing is that, as you had mentioned earlier, it, we're sort of an unknown quantity in the in the world of wine. And let's face it, that's a competitive business. There's many, many good wines. But with the help of folks such as yourself and other writers and, and publications, we're, we're starting to scratch our way and claw our way up a little bit up that ladder. Is that recognition growing logarithmically now? I'm not sure which one of you said it to me, but we had on a couple of weeks ago the longtime chef from the Playboy Mansion, which is obviously an icon. And he, without any prompting, referred to the Finger Lakes wines as being extraordinary. If I remember correctly, the, the context was when guests were coming and they wanted something truly special and exotic, he would pull something like a Finger Lakes Riesling. And I mean, Yeah, I, exactly. You got it. You did listen to that <laughs> show, didn't you, Chris? It's a great show, David. <laughs> yeah, you did listen. So how much longer is it going to be before you guys have the kind of production that will enable people to get their hands on the wines? Or can they get their hands on the wines now? I think both of you can ship pretty much to anybody whose state will allow them to receive wines, right? It's not New York that's holding back the exportation of the wines. It might be restrictions in those particular states, right? It is a state-by-state -state basis, and we're yeah. both working hard to make sure that happens. Yeah, the, the downside for some of the smaller producers is the, the, the rigor of the paperwork and documentation and filings and so forth. But on the other hand, there's no reason why we won't be able to cope with that in the future. It's a virtuous circle, though, because the more wine we can sell, the more states we can be in. And so I think we're both working to build that presence without losing any of the quality. And, you know, especially in Steve's case, this is a 36-year overnight success story. 
I'm talking to Steve Shaw, Shaw Vineyards, and Chris Misick of Villa Belangelo. You both make some really kick-ass Cabernet Francs. And it's funny because being from California, we can grow Cabernet Franc just fine there. It's not an easy wine to find. And yet I'm finding a lot of it here exceptional, you know? Yet Cabernet Sauvignon, not a whole lot of it here. And not at least some of it that I've had, not as good as others. Although an exception might be your 2008 Cabernet Sauvignon. Delicious. Oh, thank you very it much. It doesn't play like a California Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a completely different animal, and that's okay. It doesn't need to be. It's a Finger yeah. Lakes Cabernet Sauvignon. I think it's finding its footing and its way, and, and hopefully its style is developing, and, and I, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I, with the exception of the 15 and 10 below zero temperatures, I don't find it any more difficult to ripen that variety than Cab Franc. This is a very interesting thing that I've heard over and over again the past couple of days. You guys are very resigned to the fact that there are certain years that you're going to have to blow off a crop. My 30-year plan is and growing vinifera's over 30 years. I know that every fourth, fifth, or sixth year, I'm going to get clobbered by Mother Nature. So you just plan for that? I just plan for it, and there's not much I can do about it. So I used to worry about it a lot 20 years ago, not so much now. Chris, you're making a lot of different wines. And interesting, you came from California, which is certainly the undisputed wine capital of America. Nobody's going to argue that point, right? No. But you came to the Finger Lakes, <clears throat> and you're a smart guy. You were a Navy SEAL, Special Forces. <laughs> you're not really... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the rumor that's been perpetuated. But you are a lawyer, right? You're, you're yeah, like I, a very well-educated guy. And you could be getting for some of these wines a lot more money in California if you invested there. Why did you and your family invest in the Finger Lakes instead? There were a, a lot of reasons. Give me three. Uh, all right. First and foremost, Riesling. I love Riesling and I love the fresh acid we get here. Second, lifestyle. This is a region unlike any other that's coming around in the U.S. because we are developing not just our wines and our viticulture, but our food and our distilled spirits and our beers, everything at the same time. We're developing a singular food and beverage culture. And three, real estate and land prices. It's a heck of a lot less expensive. Overall, you can find really nice parcels for under $10,000 an acre. And that changes the spectrum for what you can plan on in terms of growing a wine business here. As opposed to Napa, where you might pay $100,000 or more for an acre if you're lucky, right? It's up to a quarter of a million an acre and, and rising. Acre. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole different economy of scale, which would be hard to cope with. Every wine region goes through stages. They start off as a fledgling region. They become an emerging region. People start to take them serious and then they become serious and then they become elite. And we've seen that happen. Obviously, you know, back in, you know, 1975, nobody cared about Napa and Sonoma. But just a few years later, they were on the map. We've seen the same, th- same thing happening in Paso Robles. We're seeing the same thing happening in Argentina, Chile, Australia certainly has come into its own. New Zealand, you know, all over the world, we're seeing regions blossom rather quickly. And it seems like that gestation period is faster and faster. Where in the grand scheme of things is the Finger Lakes? Where on that scale from emerging fledgling to exceptional wine region are you? Well, I would argue that we're beyond emerging emerging. And if you're dealing with the quality producers and growers, I think they're starting to close in on world class in many ways. And so I think the recognition, the, the mere fact that you're here today, and as I said earlier, other other wine aficionados and so forth are interested in the area. I think that a number of our wines, including Riesling, are 
easily competitive with the best Rieslings in, in the world, the, the good ones from the Finger Lakes. And what do you think, Chris? I think we're at the very beginning of something of a tidal wave. And Steve's a good example, right? You turn to the Steve June... Steve is a tidal wave, yeah. Well, you look <laughs> at the June edition of Wine Enthusiast, and he's got, what, four, five, 90-plus yeah. wines. When I moved to the Finger Lakes not that long ago, you could count on one hand the number of 90-plus wines. Now, it's not that magazine scores are the end-all, be-all, but what it means is the big media and the attention that we're getting from outside the region, it's picking up. Steve, and, you need yeah. to be a lot more egotistical because you're like a superstar right now and you're just like total regular guy. And Chris, they've done stories on you too, right? They've done stories on us and we've yeah. gotten some amazing ratings and 90 plus ratings as well. So Yeah, and I think they actually named you most dashing Finger Lakes uh, winemaker, <laughs> if I recall that correctly as well. I got to get that issue. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you know, for people who want to know more about your wines, Chris, the website? Bellangelo, B-E-L-L-A-N-G-E-L-O.com. And Steve? My website is shawvineyard.com. Hey, guys, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, I appreciate you, it so thanks, much, David. and we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. We like to talk about wine. If you have a thirst for wine knowledge, be it trivia or the latest trends, there's a website that's overflowing with content that we've created just for you. It's GrapeEncounters.com, where you'll find literally hundreds upon hundreds of stories and interviews covering almost every topic imaginable. From the world's most colorful and renowned winemakers to unforgettable wine adventures, there's something for every wine lover at GrapeEncounters.com. Go ahead, log on, uncork, pour, swirl, and sip. As a grape encounterist, you know how much fun an hour of conversation about wine can be each week. But there's no way we can pack everything into a show. Listeners just like you are turning the Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group into an incredible online community where like-minded wine lovers converse, share information, and inspire each other with posts on a variety of interesting topics. If you haven't discovered your community, join in today on Facebook by entering Grape Encounters Radio. If you love wine, then you probably love to travel, too. And there are two places you should really visit soon. The best part is you don't even have to pack a bag or leave your house. If you're looking for adventures in wine, log on to GrapeEncounters.com. There you'll find an audio library of more than 300 stories that will take you virtually anywhere you want to go. At GrapeEncounters.com, you'll find short subjects as well as full stories. All audio can be downloaded with one click, and you'll be amazed at the broad range of subject matter. Another place you really should visit is our Facebook group page. Simply search for Grape Encounters Radio or click on the link on our website. The Grape Encounters Radio group has become a formidable place for wine lovers to exchange ideas, introduce products, and share upcoming events. If you're not already a group member, then join the party on Facebook. Grape Encounters is more than a radio broadcast. It's a family of like-minded, fun-loving, unpretentious wine lovers. Come fill up your glass today. He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounters host, David Wilson. We are at 
our next stop on our whirlwind tour of the Finger Lakes. And I'm so glad to be where I am right now because I'm sitting with a gentleman who's been on my show a couple of times. We've never met in person. And I'll tell you what, nothing more exciting than to stand at a tasting room bar and get your wines poured by the big kahuna. And in this particular case, it's Fox Run and Scott Osborne finally in person. David, it's been a while. I I can't believe it. It, You know, we've talked on the phone so many times and then now here you are. You know what I love about you? You're a newsmaker. The first time I read about you, it was because your Tears Riesling, which is a collaborative project here in the Finger Lakes, was chosen for the luncheon, I believe it was, for the the second Obama inauguration. Because I was at a joint about the first inauguration because they chose what? A wine from Africa? Yeah. It's like (laughs) for an American president? Yep. Okay. Anyway, that was totally not right. And so the next time around, they chose a wine from the Finger Lakes. And I thought, okay, you're getting it right. And I was glad it was you guys because you guys have a great reputation with that Tierce Riesling. And then the next time that I talked to you, a bunch of Finger Lakes winemakers, I think it wasn't just Finger Lakes, right? It was New York winemakers, right? It was New York. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We're off in Europe saying, hey, you guys need to be buying more American wines. Correct. I'm glad you took the lead on that because, you know, I know California does it as well, but every time I go to Europe, I can't find any American wines, New York, California, or otherwise. And you guys went over there to knock some sense into those people. All these importers kept saying, well, we'll bring in two cases. And it was making me nuts when I yeah, kept nice. hearing two, that. two cases will two change case. the yeah. New York economy for sure. And so yeah. a couple of winery owners and I got together with a friend of ours from Luxembourg and we started our own import company and we ship it over in containers. And now you can buy New York wines all over Europe. Way to go, Scott Osborne. Thanks. And you know what's really nice too is that you may be on the East Coast, but you have West Coast blood running through your veins as well. I do. I've spent a, a, 10 years out there and five in the wine industry. Yeah, and working with some pretty big names out there too. Yep, worked at Firestone and Zach Mesa with, with Ken with, Brown there. And, yeah, Brooks Firestone. Brooks, and uh, Andre Telechev was um, consulted at Firestone at the time. And you know, you that, know, that, Lane that, Tanner, who's a great Pinot Noir maker out there. That may not make you a god, but it's darn close. Hey, thanks. Those are big names. And now you're like a big dog here. And I mean that sincerely. I just tasted, what, like 27 of your wines in four minutes flat (laughs) because we're on a dead run. Everything delicious. Thank you. Gosh. All right. So I'm drinking this port right now and I'm calling it port. I almost always have to apologize for using the term port here in the States because most people can't actually call it port, but you're grandfathered in. We're grandfathered in. Dang, this is delicious. (laughs) Thank you very much. Wow. That's the uh, fine old Tawny and it's uh, seven years average seven years in oak barrels. I'm going to tell you something seriously. This is what I'm going to lay in bed in my red velvet smoking jacket and I'm going to love the life out of this port. This is perfect. Thank you. This is elegant. We love it a lot. It's one of my favorites. Um, The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is red wines because obviously you came out of California. You were up in Lake County which is making great wines. You were in San Luis Obispo County, Santa Barbara County and you know obviously wonderful wines coming from there. It's where I live and, you know, hard to fault the really good wines that come from there. When we think about New York wines, there's a tendency, obviously, to think Riesling and to think about the whites, which you do so very well here in the Finger Lakes. You shocked me, honestly, with the reds. You shocked me. Good. Don't ever do that again. (laughs) 
<laughs> are you shocked? No, seriously, are you shocked by the Reds? You know, it's one of the reasons a lot of people don't know about Finger Lakes Reds is because we make so few of them. And most of them are sold right in the tasting room. And, you know, they, they don't get out into broad distribution. Even getting them down into New York City has been a challenge. But no. Do you think there's a, a tendency to believe in other parts of the country that New York can't make great Reds? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. I didn't want to say that because I feel yeah. like I'm being a bad visitor, but but that <laughs> is, but I think that is the truth, right? Yeah. I think uh, most people um, don't believe that a cooler climate can make a good Red. And, and you know, why that is, I have no idea. But, you know, when it's really interesting in the tasting room when people say, oh, we, you know, New York Reds suck. And then they say, well, here, try this. And they go, oh, my God. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, the people who say that we should dump them in shorts and T-shirts, you know, in the Sierra foothills yep. where they're making great red wine yep. or El Dorado County yep. in California Wonderful. where it's going to get butt cold. And let's see if they uh, still feel that cold climates can't make great reds. Yep. So if they can do it, you can do it, right? Yep. That's the way I look at it. So how long here at Fox Run? Well, I bought Fox Run in 1994. Yeah. And so the winery opened in 1990 and then I purchased in 1994. So it's 25 years is the winery anniversary this year. I don't want to be morbid, but is this the place that you're going to live and die at? Probably. You're going to retire ever? I, it, it would be a challenge to retire. You, I, I, th- I, th- I uh, thought I retired. That, actually. Was, a, that was a financial answer. Yeah. <laughs> I can't retire. Uh, no, I, uh, I retired when I bought the winery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why didn't you stay in California? I wanted to make cool climate Chardonnay. And I felt California, everything was, it was getting crowded. And that was back in 1985. <laughs> and when I could have come been, here. Have you been back lately? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really crowded. But you know, it's exciting to come here and see the tasting rooms here as busy as they are. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I realized yesterday that I was in Bachelorette <laughs> Capital of the World. Yep. And Will O'Lean, who is completely against Bachelorette parties, changed his tune. Didn't you, Will? I'm completely revising my business strategy. I'm focusing only on Bachelorette parties here forward. Yeah. And, this, and, this, and this has only to do with the fact that he was over at uh, John Engel's place, and he finally understood why John has a permanent smile on his face. It's great. Yep. They, they come in here one after another, or I should say 20 and 30 after another. But So being a baby boomer, does that uh, kind of brighten your life? Uh, well, it depends on what time of day they get here. Okay, all right. If they get here early, they brighten my life. If they get here later in the afternoon, it's not a good sign. All right. <laughs> Before we go, let's talk about the Chardonnay. You poured me two different Chardonnays, an unoaked Chardonnay and an oaked Chardonnay. And, uh, you know, frankly, I was shocked by how delicious those wines were. Thank you. You're, you're proud of those wines. Oh, I'm real proud of those wines. I drink a lot of them. Uh, Chardonnay has always been one of those varieties that, along with Riesling, that from year to year, it gets ripe, it stays clean, it gives us the flavor, it gets gives us the acidity. We get everything we want out of Chardonnay, and it's, uh, it's you know, with each year, our Chardonnays get better as we learn more and more how to make them. Oh, man, well, I hate to say it, but that is going to do it for Grape Encounters for this week. My very special thanks to Scott Osborne, president of Fox Run Vineyards. Check out Fox Run online. Website is foxrunvineyards.com. Hey, thanks, Scott. I really appreciate thanks, it. It's great really to nice, see you. Nice having you on. Okay, handshake on the radio. Yes. There it is. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.